0: Hello and welcome to The Transfer Window, the podcast that brings you the news before it becomes news. We'll also give you insight and analysis into everything that's going on in football that you're talking about. I'm Ian McGarry and with me, as always, is Transfer Expert. Duncan Castles, uh, a man who has got more stories right than the Beatles have had hits. Uh, and that is a fact uh, which is verifiable uh, by any standards agency that you wish to check out. Today we'll bring you news uh, on Liverpool, a big, big exclusive on Liverpool, as well as uh, Manchester City, Manchester United, uh, Burnley FC as well will feature in this podcast and uh, we will also be talking about Spurs and Arsenal and Chelsea. Duncan, the uh, big story for today's pod um, unsurprisingly, something that we've spoken about in the past is the future of Kylian Mbappe at Paris Saint-Germain. Obviously a club who have been in the headlines with regards to the fact that they have signed Leo Messi on a two year contract um, something that we did report first uh, on the podcast uh, with Graham Hunter. Messi aside uh, we now look at the um, future of Mbappe but also I think this is very very interesting the um, transfer Structure and plans of Liverpool with regards to Mbappe. We know that they want to sign a point striker and uh, we've reported uh, before that Mbappe was someone who had a mutual interest in joining Liverpool as well as Liverpool, obviously, in him. Well, Liverpool's recruitment department are overseeing at this moment in time and our understanding is that while they cannot necessarily afford under FSG's uh, management a transfer fee uh, in the region of what Chelsea have paid for Romelu Lukaku uh, which is around 98 million pounds they certainly can afford a move for Mbappé with regards to a freedom of contract uh, next summer when he will be out of uh, his current deal with PSG. And of course, the wages will be very substantial. Um, However, again, Mbappé himself is interested in making the move to Liverpool. It's uh, something which um, Jürgen Klopp has a central role in regards to Mbappe's uh, respect and admiration for the German coach, Uh, something that as well, uh, as a single-minded and driven uh, young individual, he wants to develop his career rather than look at uh, simply the financial aspects of what his next club stroke deal will be. Obviously, We know that Real Madrid are interested in Mbappé as well and of course that will be an option for him. However, it is information reported to us that Liverpool are um, pursuing and indeed believe they have an opportunity in which they may well be able to uh, get Mbappé at least for two or three seasons if they uh, include a get-out clause on his contract, which, as we said, would be signed under freedom of movement. Uh, And so, therefore, Mbappe was uh, in charge of his own future with regards to uh, leaving uh, Liverpool at the point that he wants to do. Therefore, obviously, his career plan for himself is one that he is completely in charge of. Now, Duncan, you have information as well about the personal affiliation uh, of Mbappe. And, you know, we often um, smirk and sneer a little bit when players say that they always had affection for a particular club, etc., etc., when they were growing up. And that was, and it's a quote, a dream come true. To play for this club In Mbappé's case We have a very um, Genuine uh, Personality Who um, Has not hidden His actual uh, Affection for The Merseyside Club In the past And As you understand um, Has also uh, A a willingness And uh, An ambition To play under Jurgen Klopp And the way that he sets his team up and the way in which Liverpool play which make Liverpool an attractive option for him even even ahead of Real Madrid
1: look like any transfer when you're talking about players of this dimension it's a it's a complicated situation I think it's about a year ago now that we reported on the podcast that Kylian Mbappe was planning his exit from Paris Saint-Germain um had given them uh, guidance that he would like to leave this summer um, or in a year's time when his contract concluded and basically gave them the option, if you want to make some money from a transfer deal, you will need to sell me this summer. Um, Otherwise, you'll lose me for nothing in a year's time. And PSG's response has been very clear cut. We don't let, we don't sell our best players. Kylian Mbappé stays. Um, You saw Nasser Al-Khalifi during Lionel Messi's announcement talking about there is no option for Mbappé anymore. We've provided the best team in world football. How can you make any other choice? Um, At the time we reported that, we said there were four clubs that Mbappé were interested in. Um, You're right to say he has an interest in playing in the Premier League at some point in his career. He also has a strong interest in playing in La Liga some point in his career. The four clubs are Real Madrid, Barcelona, Manchester United and Liverpool. You're also right to say that Liverpool has a special interest to him. I'm told that he supported Liverpool when he was younger. He very much likes the way they play football. He likes Jurgen Klopp's management. So you have those those four elements. He has talked publicly about elements of this. Um, in January 2020, uh, he gave an interview to the BBC at the launch of his personal charity when he talked about Liverpool being amazing, being like a machine, that uh, they've lost zero games when you watch you think everything's easy but that's not easy the guys are focused they play games every three days and they win they win they win it's a very good team with a very good manager and those quotes have been repeated multiple times um, with this discussion of, of Liverpool's interest um, you're also correct to mention the problem that Liverpool have to solve in that And again, something we've talked about in the podcast for well over a year now, they have a a brilliant attacking force that has made them champions of Europe and champions of England who are all aging simultaneously and are all on contracts that expire in 2023. So you have Mo Salah, Sadio Mane, Roberto Firmino, all 29 years of age, um, all of whom have been looking at moves elsewhere. We've seen Mane and Salah giving pretty pointed interviews to the Spanish press, Um, lots of talk that they might go there. Liverpool know they have to get at least one top striker in. Um, As you say, they have budget limitations. Um, They have to use their smarts in the transfer market to solve this matter. And there is an opportunity there in that they have one of the top strikers in the game um, vocally praising them, having a very specific interest in playing in the Premier League, having a specific interest in playing for Liverpool, who will be out of contract in a year's time, opportunity to sign without transfer fee. My understanding is they have been encouraged in, in this. Um, and they they have a sense that Mbappe may be thinking that if he wants to play in the Premier League and he wants to play in La Liga, the order to do it in is Premier League first, La Liga second. Therefore, um, explore that option and see if you can get a deal done. I think this has ramifications for for Liverpool's policy with its current squad uh, and we've seen New contracts being handed out to four of their their major players in recent weeks: Trent Alexander-Arnold, Fabinho, Allison, and and interestingly, Virgil Van Dijk, who today has been given a, a contract in twenty twenty five at age thirty. Um, you know, less than a year after having his ACL ruptured by Jordan Pickford, I think it all it also has implications for Jurgen Klopp. You know, we've we've said that one of the attractions. To Mbappe of Liverpool as Jurgen Klopp, if that's the case, then um, from Liverpool's perspective, I think it becomes very important to keep Jurgen Klopp in place um, in order to have that card to play in this attempt to get Mbappe in as the as the new lead striker. And I think it's interesting when you have, you look at what Jurgen Klopp has been saying in the past week about transfers and and you know there's a lot of discontent amongst Liverpool supporters that all they've done in the market is sign Ibrahima Kanati um as a first starting player to to strengthen their defense. The, where they've lost Genie Wyanaldum, who was fundamental to Klopp's plan and, and played time after time even when they knew uh, he'd agreed deals with other clubs to go elsewhere. Klopp is talking about we don't need more players. It doesn't make sense to add more players uh, and and dampening the expectation around uh, this summer's market.
0: We've heard that before, Duncan, when after they won their first Premier League title in 20 years, Klopp said a similar thing. And then, of course, they lost the Premier League by some margin to Manchester City in terms of a, a defence of their title. And it seemed like Klopp was a forlorn and defeated individual with regards to um, the way in which the administrators at Liverpool had behaved um, because he'd said the same things then. Do you think that he's on board with this because he knows that Mbappe is their primary target and is gettable and therefore he's willing to sacrifice a big spend or even just a medium spend in this market on the basis that they are effectively saving their their money for Kylian
1: Mbappé i mean that would be the obvious interpretation of of what he's saying and while klopp has pressured the club to spend um he has to be realistic about the the resources available to the club and and it is you know i think for any manager it is it's quite a quite a pool and quite a proposal that um, that you could be central to bringing the best young forward in world football to the club to start a new generation at, at Liverpool and go for the Premier League title again and go for the, the Champions League again. There is, of course, another dimension in this, and that is Real Madrid. Um, and uh, Real Madrid are, I can tell you, confident that Mbappé's preference is to move to them and to move to them whenever he can get out of Paris Saint-Germain. So,
0: But he, did t- he turned them down already though, Duncan. Yes. He has turned them down once before and not many players turned down Madrid. In fact, if you remember when uh, Florentino Perez called Neymar and his father um, before he moved to Barcelona and Neymar said, uh, and his dad said, no, he needs one more year in Brazil before he moved to Europe and Perez's reply was you don't turn down Real Madrid you get one chance
1: he did say that but then he tried to sign Neymar again on several occasions further further down the line and you're right um, we
0: we, we, we praise Florentino for for the fact that he's pragmatic
1: (laughs) you're right that uh, Mbappe had the opportunity to go to Real Madrid when he left Monaco in fact he basically had agreed terms, him and his his father had agreed terms with Real Madrid. They they felt they had the commitment from the player that he would come there and then he stepped away from the deal because he did not think it was the right time in his career to move there, given what was happening with Cristiano Ronaldo, given the expectation would be around him. He felt it was easier to stay within the French League, um, to move to Paris, his home city. And and have a, a lower level of expectation and a, and a steadier development path in his career, which which tells you that he is strategic in his decision-making and is something I think Liverpool will factor in getting involved in this pursuit, is that they're dealing with a player who has chosen the less glamorous route once in his career. Um, there's an indication that, Money is not the priority, and to be fair, that is what I'm hearing from people close to Killian when it comes to um, his next move uh, and and the reason why uh, Madrid are high in his considerations and why he's ready to move Paris Saint Germain. It's not uh, repeatedly told this is not a financial decision. It's about being in the right place for his career to win titles to be recognised. And to establish himself as the, as the top player in the world. So there is a strategic thought there. But you've given us the, the picture from Liverpool and why they're getting involved in this. Give you the picture from Madrid is they are convinced that Kylian Mbappe will come to them. They still think there's a chance they can get him this summer. They think that's less likely because of uh, Lionel Messi. And um, obviously this offers Mbappe the opportunity to have a year playing with Messi and and leave under freedom of contract. Um, So uh, more control in his his destination and less uh, complications with handling the exit from Paris Saint-Germain. But they think... And and remember, this is Florentino Perez's absolute priority to get Kylian Mbappé to build a new team around him. He's been working on this deal for a long time. They believe that when it comes to making that final choice, Mbappé will go through with a decision that's already been taken, which is to to join Real Madrid, and they will get the player. Um, There have been questions about Erling Haaland. uh, We talked in the last podcast about Haaland's um, choice not to go to Chelsea um, that the uh, thinking there is that he moves to Madrid in a year's time. That's what Florentino Perez has also been setting up. The idea is to pair Mbappe and Haaland in a new Real Madrid team. Um, I've asked what Mbappe's thoughts are on that and I'm told that that Mbappe is enthusiastic about the idea he'd like to to be in a team with Haaland uh, playing four four two 4 2 formation. Um, look, <laughs> I think that the basic conclusion from all of this is uh, Mbappe's worked himself into a position where he has the choice of top clubs in world football. Um, he's been very strategic about it. He's, he, he has a long-term career path. He's having discussions with those clubs uh, you talked about uh, Several months ago, I, I, there was a kind of interview process of, of asking what his role would be in the team and and uh, the general direction of the squad, what the plans were, what the what the the club wanted to do. Um, he is in the position of strength, and he's worked himself into that position of strength. And you have clubs like Real Madrid and Liverpool hoping that. They can share in that position of strength by getting him into their squad when the time comes that he is finally able to exit PSG.
0: It is interesting when um, the president decides what the formation is going to be uh, a year ahead of time <laughs> with regards to changing to 442. I must. Um Ask Carlo Ancelotti what he thinks about that next time I speak to him. um, (laughs) (laughs) And now, what his feelings are with regards to Florentino choosing his team. Uh, Not that it would be the first time uh, or the last that he has done that. Duncan, as we know, uh, Romelu Lukaku has signed for Chelsea for a club record fee of just under £100 million, uh, which... Means, of course, there needs to be uh, space, if you like, in terms of the team, never mind the squad. And Tammy Abraham, who we have mentioned on the podcast with regards to interest from Arsenal, Spurs, and Roma, uh, is absolutely on the market and is being marketed uh, as well in terms of uh, raising money. To help fund the Lukaku transfer, but also um, replacements, Uh, one replacement in particular in Central Defence, elsewhere. Now, um, Arsenal are a club who have been mentioned um, a lot with regards to uh, signing Abraham. We reported that Spurs had an interest as well, clearly with the Hurricane situation. They are in need of a replacement for Kane and Abraham physically and style of play certainly uh, would fit that particular um, part of the way the Spurs perform. But people have been talking a lot about Roma and Jose Mourinho, but your information, Duncan, is that perhaps Roma is not as much of a stuck-on bet as some people think in terms of them having made an offer that's been accepted or indeed even that Abraham has agreed to?
1: Yeah, he is the the preferred choice um to come in at, at center forward. It's a very important position for Josie Mourinho. Um they have been trying to persuade the player to come. As you say, Chelsea do want to sell and they want to raise cash for him. Um, it's one of those typical situations that the the manager doesn't have faith in him. They have that €150 million Euro replacement. Um, there's not much space for him in the squad. He's out of contract in 2023. So if they're going to sell, sell now to maximise the cash they get for the player. Um, Mourinho has been trying to persuade Abraham to come. Roma have been trying to persuade Abraham to come. Um, But despite those direct conversations, which we reported on the last podcast, Abraham has yet to commit to Roma. Um, Roma are waiting for a commitment that that's his preferred option to go to before they make a formal offer of salary to the player. Um, The The salary should be in the region of 4 million euros net. And obviously Roma can take advantage of Italian tax laws for foreign players um, to get to those figures. The deal with Chelsea, again, has not been agreed, the specifics of it. But there's an expectation that it will be done if Abraham can get on board with moving to Roma. And it will be in the shape of a loan with an obligatory option to buy in a year's time. And a buyback clause in Chelsea's favour should Abraham's career develop in the way Roma expect it to develop. Um, Difficulty is in persuading a young English player to move overseas. It's again not an uncommon problem, Um, and and I think. A particular difficulty here is that Abraham is presented with the opportunity to go to Arsenal, so he can stay in London, he can stay in English football, doesn't have to learn a new language, doesn't have to switch home, and um, become a central part of the Arsenal team. We know Arteta is unhappy with his forwards. Um, we've seen Pierre Emerick Aubameyang dropped last season from from the Arsenal lineup, very expensive. Um, in terms of salary, uh, difficult to move out, as is Alexander Lacazette, who are Arsenal are actively trying to move out. Um, I think you have information that he's not been training particularly well, Ian. Uh, information I have is that Lacazette's reluctant to move this summer and uh, keen to wait until he's a free agent in a year's time to decide where he wants to go. Uh, it's been mentioned that he would be an alternative to Roma should they not secure Abraham. Again, the guidance I have here is that Roma don't want to sign Lacazette. So that's uh, not a, a good solution to this conundrum. Um, their second choice, I'm told, is Zenit St. Petersburg striker Sardor Asmun. Um So it's, it's, a, it's a situation where the player is is badly wanted in Italy. Uh, and it's in his control to decide whether he's prepared to move there and, and take the opportunity to play in a different league and play with a, a coach with a huge number of, of trophies behind him or whether he tries to push to go to another English club. Um, Arsenal, I think a factor here is that he's a homegrown player. Um, you've seen Mikel Arteta talking about the transfer market actually specifically saying, I think everything is related to who we bring in, who is out our capacity to hold foreign players in the squad. And we've already seen Arsenal push the boat out in terms of transfer fee um, and a, a range of increasing offers, which we we detailed um, on this podcast for Ben White. And I think you get one of the reasons why Ben White was so important to him that they they made him the second most expensive central defender in English football history, um, English central defender, that is, um, because he is homegrown, because he's young, because he can be a central part of the squad for a number of years, and Abraham fits a similar profile.
0: Well, the information I have, Duncan, from people who have known Abraham since he was a much younger player uh, at Chelsea uh, when he was in the academy and then, of course, when he went out on successful loan deals as well, is that he is very much a homeboy in terms of uh, would prefer to stay in England and in English football, that um, his preference would certainly be to... um, a Premier League player rather than move to Serie A or elsewhere and that's one of the reasons why this particular transaction is taking more time. He has had the conversation, the difficult conversation with uh, Big Tam Tuchel in which he was told that he was not required um, at Stamford Bridge. And obviously, the uh, amount of money that the club has invested in re-signing Romelu Lukaku has confirmed what Tuchel has told Abraham. Abraham, of course, was uh, someone who flourished under Frank Lampard uh, when uh, Lampard was manager but has since fallen away despite um, being top goalscorer at the club. Uh, But someone who who apparently is not rated in terms of fulfilling the potential he has. Uh, I'm also told by people uh, at the club that uh, there are certain aspects of his personality and his attitude to training that aren't um, necessarily great. And that's another reason why uh, the club will be quite happily allow him to leave. But also, there is the economic angle as well. Um, When you invest, uh, obviously, in players uh, of very high value, you need uh, to also um, lighten your squad and, of course, balance the books. Abraham is one of the saleable assets and uh, will certainly be dispensed with As long as Chelsea feel they're getting the valuation that they feel is fair for the player um, who of course is now a full England international as well. So, um, in that being the case, uh, Chelsea have one more priority uh, recruitment and that would be a central defender. Uh, Antonio Rudiger is being aggressively marketed by a very high profile agent as is Abraham, by the same agent, someone who um, has worked for many, many years in the Premier League and has good relationships with most clubs and therefore uh, Chelsea are hopeful that they can bring in uh, at least 60-70% to of the outlay that they've made for Lukaku uh, in bringing and selling um, Rudiger and Abraham. But we'll also look to reinvest that money in a centre-back to partner um, and look to strengthen and augment uh, the defence for next season and therefore build upon their Champions League success. Roman Abramovich clearly has made um, made it his priority to regain the Premier League title. Uh, As you said, Duncan, to me... uh, yes he he's interested again <laughs> which makes a difference <laughs> if you're only interested then you, you're probably thinking mm, okay that's a good sign but so the, uh,
1: the football world has changed as as we've been talking about in this podcast for for months now um, you have the super league you have the the, the the failure of the super league plan you have um, UEFA fundamental changes within it um, as a result of the Super League being brought down by clubs such as Paris Saint-Germain and Manchester City um, getting on board with breaking that proposal Um, and you have a scenario where uh, owners with substantial resources, Roman Abramovich being one of those clubs of Qatar and Abu Dhabi, PSG and Manchester City, with their substantial resources being allowed to spend again. And and I don't think it's any coincidence that you have reports this week that UEFA are are preparing to replace financial fair play with a system of of salary caps, um, which would allow clubs to spend probably up to 70% of their income on... uh, on player salaries um, with a luxury tax being levied on clubs who overspend salary limit. Now, unless there is a hard cap on salary, unless they say no club can go beyond, for example, 500 million euros as, as their um, total salary bill. That is an open invitation to rich owners to um, generate extra revenue and or pay the salary tax the luxury tax um for overspending the the uh the revenue limits and building teams of the type that psg manchester city and chelsea have been doing this window um and i think that's one of the reasons why roman abramovich is interested again
0: i love the idea of it being hard cap when it should be a hard hat surely um in these circumstances, <laughs>
1: should, should be, um, it should be a hard hat for the rest of the clubs in football, with <laughs> very few exceptions. Indeed, indeed, So, once you go beyond
0: the uh, limit, then someone comes around and hits you in the hard hat and says, <laughs> "Okay, you're not to do that anymore." Um, speaking of such, uh, Duncan Manchester City, Hurricane drags on, uh, which we expect to be concluded. Uh, potentially as soon as next week once the um, fixture between the two clubs on the first uh, weekend of the Premier League is over um, when City play at Tottenham on Sunday. And in doing so, uh, that will, of again, given the outlay on Jack Grealish, And Kane, who we understand will cost around 145 million euros um, for the transfer fee alone, never mind the salary, um, could look at a possible, not yet confirmed, but possible um, part swap deal with one of the players who... uh, Duncan, you have reported on numerous occasions, uh, wants to leave at the Etihad, and that is Bernardo Silva. Now, we know that his personal choice would, but would potentially be to move abroad again, but he wants out of Manchester, and so London could be a destination, and also Spurs... It, with Nuno Espirito Santo, obviously, a Portuguese coach, uh, as um, being in charge, could well be an attractive option if nothing else comes up. And of course, that would mean also that City wouldn't have to spend quite as much in terms of the cash portion of the deal to take Kane uh, to Manchester. Um Do you think that that is something which is going to work? I mean, it does seem to me to be quite a sensible outcome if indeed Bernardo is willing to move to London rather than move to La Liga.
1: Yeah, um, we told you at the start of the window that Bernardo Silva wanted to leave Manchester City this summer, that um, he wanted to leave the previous summer um, and hadn't been able to. Uh, The deal wasn't... uh, Eventually affected, and therefore he'd basically been given a commitment by Guardiola to do one more season. And he would be allowed to go this summer. We've subsequently, I think, in the last week, seen um, Pep Guardiola <laughs> confirm that that Bernardo Silva wants to leave, and um, yeah, it's a very obvious player to offer to Tottenham as part of the the Harry Kane transaction because there is that commitment there that they can that the player can go if he comes up with a proposal that is acceptable to Manchester City and acceptable to him. And yes, my understanding is that um, were the clubs to agree to include that in the Kane deal, then Bernardo Silva would look at it as a possible move for him. Um, And obviously clubs like Barcelona, um, Atletico Madrid, who tried to sort out an exchange deal um, with Saul Niguez going to, to Manchester City and Bernardo Silva going the other way, um, it's not so easy to get to Barcelona at the moment for reasons that uh, everyone knows about. Um, separate to that, uh, I can tell you that um, Adama Traori is being considered by Tottenham um, as an option to consider to strengthen the right wing um, we talked earlier about their interest in Jesus Corona um who is presently um looking more likely to go to Sevilla who, who have been working on a deal to take him from FC Porto Adama obviously has worked with Nuno before um and uh, Wolves have placed him on the market this summer. One of the players are trying to to raise cash from a player who is looking for improved personal terms. Uh, we reported that they'd had an offer from Leeds United for Adama that Adama had knocked back. Um, and that's, look, at, if this Kane deal goes through, as you expect it to do, this, then we're going to see this, uh, I think, rush of deals from Tottenham with Fabio Paratici using his, his global contacts to... to Radically restructure the squad um, in a way that the two previous managers, um, Maurizio Pochettino and Josie Mourinho, had been asking for. They were saying that the squad needed a big overhaul. Um, Daniel Levy's chosen to put that in the hands of Fabio Paratici, and, and I think it will be the test of um, of Paratici's mettle. Um, if Levy agrees to sell Kane, uh, and break the transfer record again, and uh, have us all uh, looking back at those words from Pep Guardiola about how it was impossible for City to spend a hundred million um, or more on on a on a transfer fee. Uh, see them doing it twice in the one summer, um, and uh, and seeing where both clubs end up off the back of it. It's it's late in the window to do such a radical restructure. It's. Um, It's putting a lot of expectation on Nuno's uh, management and coaching abilities to to turn it immediately or quickly into a competitive team.
0: One team, Duncan, as we approach the uh, start of the Premier League campaign, who are expected to do better and who certainly um, historically need to do better are Manchester United. £400 million is the um, estimated cost with regards to what Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has spent at Manchester United as head coach. Obviously, huge investment in Jadon Sancho uh, this particular summer, Uh, a lot expected of him, but Solskjaer himself does not seem particularly certain with regards to uh, what they might achieve um, if his latest comments are anything to go by.
1: Yeah, we've seen Solskjaer uh, uh, giving some of his interviews ahead of this season where um, he's been given two extremely high profile, um, extremely accomplished players and the, in the two priority positions he'd asked for reinforcements in Jaden Sancho and Rafael Varane, um, not wanting to commit to winning trophies. I mean, th- there's one line from, from an interview he gave this week. We know we're a good team, but we know we have a little bit to go to be where we want to be and win trophies. And then uh, talking again about the season ahead, he says, I'm excited by the squad. I don't think anything is beyond these boys. It's just how we fare between now and the end of the season, how much sacrifice, how much discipline, how much team camaraderie, how much consistency, how much hard work, blood, sweat, and tears, all these qualities and cliches. If you want to be the best, you have to live like the best and you have to work as the best and perform every three days. It's going to be tough, but it's possible, definitely. And I think the interesting thing there is he's placing it all on the players, there's no comment about if I perform better than I did last season, if I manage better, if I don't make selection mistakes, if I don't um, make errors and substitutions in games, uh, which cost us goals, refusing to take players off or taking players off at, at set pieces and, and conceding and missing out on a chance to win the FA Cup because of that. None of that's mentioned. It's all on the players and you know it's a it's a pattern with Solskjaer it's um he was happy to talk about how second wasn't good enough for Manchester United being back in the Champions League wasn't good enough for Manchester United when he was at Molde and watching from afar but once he gets into the club he gets what he wants in the market he has a massive squad I think they have currently 27 full international players Um, in their first team squad and Solskjaer saying that he wants to retain a big squad Uh, it's very important to have depth throughout the season to have a chance to win trophies Um, but yeah he goes from saying second's not good enough to um, refusing to commit even to winning a trophy and I I think with the resources he's got um, and the backing he's had they'd Manchester City have better resources, so you would expect them to be ahead of them in the in the Premier League at the end of the season. Although you you know you have those issues of can you repeat from being champions? It's something that's not very often done in the Premier League, but certainly um, Solskjaer must have enough in terms of resources to win silverware this season. Um, but. We've seen this pattern with him and the way he speaks. I mean, another thing he said in his interview, um, which I thought was quite telling, he said, I'm used to winning. When I was here as a player, we finished third once and was either first or second every other year. So um, only finished third once, according to Uli. He must have forgotten that he was at Manchester United from 1996 to 2007, and that Manchester United finished third in 2002, 2004, and 2005, OK, one of those seasons Solskjaer was injured, but in the 2004-05 season, he played 13 league games and played in the FA Cup final. So even when he's talking about his own history, uh, there, there, there are words in there that just don't make a lot of sense. Um, and I think it's going to be fascinating to watch this season and and, uh, and see how he responds if, if they go through a difficult period. It's also interesting that Manchester United, despite that investment in the squad, continue to work with a manager who's clearly not of the top standard. They've avoided the opportunity to replace him and put a better coach in charge and instead are doing things like bringing additional coaches in around them to help him. So they've taken Eric Ramsey from Chelsea as a set piece, an individual development coach, um, on the basis that their set-piece defending was poor last season. So um, let's, rather than invest in a in a better manager, hire another coach to a very large cadre of coaches to try and solve a, a very specific and obvious problem they've had throughout Solskjaer's reign.
0: Seems to remind me of um, the fact that they've had to invest in bringing in another centre-half, Duncan. In order to make up for the mistakes of the, <laughs> the, the most expensive half they've ever had, uh, so it seems it's to a, be good rep- point. a repetitive it's a pattern.
1: That's a good point. That's a good point, Ian. We most expensive centre back in the history of the game on huge wages. Um, let's go and buy uh, probably the best centre back in Spanish football to solve that problem.
0: Well, at least they are now buying quality. We've got to give them that. Varane certainly. Um, is an upgrade on what they have, that's for sure. Um, now, we do, at here at the Transfer Window podcast, um, like uh, and indeed endeavour to bring you news, uh, not just to the elite clubs um, in European football, but also to some of those who are not so elite. And therefore, it is our pleasure and Duncan's privilege indeed to bring you news from uh, Burnley FC uh, with regards to what they're doing on the transfer market. And of course, they start their campaign against the Mighty Seagulls uh, tomorrow, uh, Saturday. Duncan, it's, it's an interesting one in terms of ownership, in terms of Sean Dyche, in terms of the playing roster as well, in terms of you know, where
1: this all fits because
0: you get the feeling that not everything is clicking.
1: Yeah, new ownership at Burnley, um, American owners, and, uh, and that as always or almost always happen when new owners come in, they want to change elements about the club and improve ways of doing things. And one thing that I'm told is important to them is they want to try and sign players from non-English uh, market clubs, bring them into the Premier League, give them a platform, uh, see them perform for Burnley and uh, ideally make profits going forward. So at present, they're trying to bring a winger in. They feel there's a shortage of of um, of wingers in the Burnley squad. Um, they have been working to try and persuade Maxwell Corne to leave Lyon um, for some time now. They've got competition there from Her to Berlin. Uh, he is valued at Lyon, but around 10 million euros, two years left of contract. So a period in which the player will be sold. Um, also, I'm told that they're now trying for Arnaud Danjuma um, of Bournemouth, who's player of the year at Bournemouth last season, 15 goals in 33 championship games. Um, Nigerian born, Netherlands international, who Scott Parker has said, uh, may be sold if the right offer comes in. These both of these players are are very different types of players to the ones that Sean Dyche has built Burnley's survival strategy around. He's concentrated predominantly in homegrown players. Plays a very um, conservative percentage-based type of football. Um, and I, I look. I think there's a, a, a potential clash here between what the owners want to do um, and what a manager who has had massive authority at the club um, has done in terms of a way of keeping Burnley in the division. Um, will be interesting to see how this progresses. Obviously, they have Dwight McNeil there, um, who Aston Villa looked at... Uh, bringing in as one of the replacements for um, Jack Grealish this summer. They want to bring another winger in um, with the idea that uh, in a year's time, should McNeil's status in the game further increase, um, they will already have a a ready-made performing replacement uh, signed and, and in the team.
0: I think there's an interesting um, way ahead for the ginger pep. Um, uh, Sean Dyche it'll be uh, certainly one which we will be following Um, he has had options to move elsewhere in the last year 18 months and uh, I think Duncan he may well have an option in the next year or so as well uh, given his uh, repetitive and indeed consistent performance of keeping Burnley in the Premier League which of course begins this weekend and we wish you all who are going to be involved and watch your club or indeed just watch as interested spectators uh, to do so with enjoyment. Uh, Until uh, next week, this is the Transfer Window Podcast. Please uh, join us and engage on our social media channels at Transfer Podcast, on Instagram, Facebook. And of course on Twitter, Duncan's at Duncan Castles. I'm at Garbo SJ. And until uh, next week, when we of course will bring you the transfer news before it becomes news. And beware cheap limitations. Be safe, stay well, and thanks for listening.